Don't be ashamed, stand strong in the pain, follow your heart, trust God. My name is Joel Brenning. And we are very pleased to have a very special guest here with us on uh, episode 41 of The Eclectic. We've got Jason Wisdom here, the brainchild, brain adult behind death therapy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess in, so. You're not in trouble with the law, are you? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, to, uh, I told you I'm sitting outside of my local church. And I guess there's some sort of fire or some, some emergency around. Oh, uh, yeah, there's a fire truck just went by. Awesome. Yep. So, yeah, I'm over here. It, would be, it wouldn't be surprising with everything that's going on in the States right now. Yeah, yeah that's right. It's been pretty crazy wild things time. there. So. Yeah. Well, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Jason, I'm sure many of you who are tuning in know exactly who he is, uh, the, the brainchild behind Death Therapy, uh, also been in Becoming the Archetype and a recent project that's just released in recent months uh, under the name of The Reversalist. So last month, uh, Jason released the awesomely named EP Dance Therapy, pre-apocalyptic cyberpunk for late-stage humanoids. There we go. It's a mouthful, but I think I got it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. <laughs> Hey, so Jason, maybe we'll just get straight into that because that, that EP just yeah. released recently. Um, but just one thing to clear up, you know, are early stage humanoids uh, allowed to listen to this EP or just late stage? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think all people are allowed, but I think we're all sort of on the same path right now. I don't know how much time we got left, um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully enough, but um, for me to finish this new album i'm working on also so yeah the um the uh, ep was something i put together because the whole covid pandemic thing sort of hit and um put me out of work as a you know touring musician but also as a um as a teacher i'm a substitute teacher uh sort of yes. my day job my real job and um uh it was like well i gotta do something so i thought well maybe i'll just start working on as much music as I can. So I put out two, I, well, I pledged to do two EPs. It's looking like it's going to turn out to be an EP and a full-length album, and then started a new project, which I'm working on an EP for that. So maybe three or four EPs, who knows? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make right by my, uh, you know, sort of my pledge or my, um, I guess, I guess, there's some people, I guess what I'm saying is there's some people who sort of, they put off this attitude that, well, if I just had enough money or if I just had enough time, I would record mm. more music. And yeah. then they don't really necessarily deliver on that. Um, and I want to show that like, yeah, I mean, hey, if I, if I had my way, I would just sit and record music all the time. It's a blast. I love, I've got ideas for days. So. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so I think um, following on from that, like my next question is what you've crafted in these this five-tracker EP is it's quite an uh, eclectic mix of genres. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, there's some metal guitar lead shredding. There's some 8-bit programming, a little bit of groove, etc. And we're curious to hear what drives you to create music of this stripe, and which is unique, I think, and um, even a little bit fringe. I mean, there's probably not that many people who would be listening to this sort of stuff every day. Right, um, right. And yeah, like, what what is it that keeps you going in this sort of, I guess, real sort of funky kind of style of of music making um to me it's more that you know i guess from the beginning i sort of pigeonholed myself into a very small niche i guess um you know i chose when i started playing music in 1999 with becoming the archetype to play christian extreme death metal you know like i (laughs) i uh i started off i started off in a weird uh fringe area and have been slowly working my way back towards the middle maybe ever since then and um Mm -hmm. so uh i guess what i'm saying is you know it's not like um it's not like if justin bieber put out an album of you know metal core or something that would be very odd for him but for me i'm sort of always dabbling in what's progressive or technically interesting um so in this case, I just I love video game music. That's something that's always been a part of what Death Therapy does, and it's what I grew up listening to more than anything. I, you know, I've told I've told people before, you may listen to hundreds of hours of your favorite artists, but if you think about it, if you, you know, especially if you're like me, I grew up probably listening to thousands of hours of video game music. Mm. Um, <laughs> all, all told, you know, classic eight bit music, and then you know modern video game music. So it's all kind of baked in. And uh, the uh, doing the, the idea of doing the instrumental EP was that, you know, some people are kind of torn on vocal stuff. Some people love vocal music and they won't listen to anything instrumental. Some people absolutely love instrumental music and they prefer it to vocal music. So I just thought, well, I'll do one with vocals and one instrumental. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I'm going to say it definitely wouldn't draw the attention of, of people who love that sort of real metalcore sound, you know, like Phineas right. or Fit for a King or August Burns Red. So I'm just also interested to know, like, how people have responded who don't normally listen to um, just instrumental. Yeah, uh, there, I've, uh, I've had everything from some people say, oh, this is really cool, I didn't expect this, to people saying... I'm really mad. I paid for this CD and then I got it in the mail and there's no vocals. I'm super mad. Um, so so it's a little bit of both and it's really hard to be in that position, uh, for me because, you know, I'm just a little guy trying to, you know, make music that hopefully some people will enjoy. I'm not making money off of it really. And I'm not getting famous, um, off of it or anything. So it's, you know, when people kind of, have this expectation of, you know, oh, yeah, this is not what I wanted from you, boo. I, <laughs> I, I, I feel like there's a, the main group of people that kind of hang around the music that I make, most of them are there because they just sort of want to see whatever I'll do next. And they're not necessarily there for the metalcore or the death metal. And some of them are, and some of them are like, you know, boo, I don't like this. I only want you to do more old becoming the archetype stuff you know um, <laughs> you'll always have but, that there right you'll never yeah. you'll never 
you never truly right, escape well, that. Some of those people, some of those people are really happy about the new project, The Reversalist, that I started putting out songs for because it's more traditional metalcore. Yes. But even with that, even with that, I think that's different than becoming the archetype because it's a little more hardcore. It's a little more. It's a little less technical. Yeah. It's a little more. It's a little more straightforward with breakdowns and you know kind of thing. But I guess that's. I guess what I'm getting at is somebody told me at one point they said, "Wow, you're really committed to your subgenres, aren't you?" Because to, to him, <laughs> it, it, it all sounds the same to me. It's you know, it's distorted. It's heavy. It's you know, it's all. It's all metal or whatever. I'm like, well, no, death therapy is kind of like industrial alternative rock with some metal, and you know, the reversalist is metal, like hardcore with a little bit of metalcore, becoming the archetype yes. like progressive death metal. And they're like, yeah. oh, come on, man, it's all the same. Just why don't you just record it all under one name? But uh, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe I'll release a country music album at some point. <laughs> oh, we, we'd embrace it. We would embrace it wholeheartedly. Yeah. Jason, you were just saying before that you you work as a substitute teacher and you also do music music and have been doing that. How long have you kind of been straddling that um, those sort of dual roles? I know you're also a, a, a dad, a husband. Um, so, like, what does that right. kind of what does that kind of look like in a you know week to week or month to month? It's probably different now, I imagine, with coronavirus. Right. I'm not sure if schools have shut down or anything like that, but. Yeah, what does that yeah, kind of the, look the like? schools have been the schools have been shut down um, since since uh, beginning of March, mm-hmm. and then uh, of course we had our summer, um, which I'm guessing is opposite of yours, right? Um, yeah, yeah, and winter. <laughs> we had yeah, but we had our, we had our summer, so the kids are normally not in school. Um, so it came at a bad time for a substitute teacher because it was mm-hmm. sort of, I lo- I lost the. I lost the last three months of the school year where I would normally be working and teaching. And then the whole summer when I normally would be playing music festivals and touring or something that was wiped out by the virus. And, and I'm not, I'm not complaining. There's many bands that, you know, bands like, uh, for King or whomever, you know, they tour 300 days a year and they've lost, they've lost their primary source of income. Um, you know, because that's what they do. Whereas, you know, I've been trying to find, you know, odd jobs and stuff to do here and there. But normally, normally as uh, I substitute teach four or five days a week, um, it allows me a little bit of flexibility. Um, in the old days, the teachers would call the substitutes that they wanted to hire. Nowadays, it's all done through an app. It's super easy, so you can just log okay. on. Kind of like, like if you're an Uber driver. Okay, well, this person needs a substitute. You know, I'll take it. 
Um, so it gives me a little flexibility right. if I want to, if I want to take a day off on a Friday and go record some music or I want to schedule a tour, uh, then I can, you know, I can make a, make plans around it. Um, so that's the real reason I do it. It doesn't pay, it doesn't pay amazingly. As you can imagine, day, day labor is not the best way to go, but it's cool. And I like teaching. Um, I used to be a full-time teacher for a long mm -hmm. time and, um, I like, yeah. So what'd you, what'd this, you, a little bit of that. Where did you used to teach, Jason, out of curiosity? I taught high school for two years, you see. Yeah. Uh, when I first I was, a, I was a middle school and high school teacher at different points. I taught uh, I taught at a private Christian school that okay. uh, I taught Bible and theology. So I have I have degrees in, um, I have a master's degree in apologetics and a master's degree in theology. Awesome. And so I taught, I taught that for a while, but I realized I'm not, particularly fond of babysitting uh, teenagers who <laughs> want to learn. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I, can, I can handle it as a substitute because I can sort of like, I can go to a different school every day if I want to, you know? Yeah. If, if I work with a particular group of kids and they rub me the wrong way, I can just be like, oh, I forget you kids, I'm never coming back here, you know? <laughs> so and no, I'm not no. stuck in one place. I was Which maybe say, that's maybe that's how I am with music too. Maybe I, <laughs> you know, maybe that's a part of my personality is that I like to bounce around. You know, I kind of done, I've done the death metal thing, I've done the industrial thing, now I've done the, you know, EDM electronic thing. Maybe the, you know, maybe the next thing will be pop. I don't know. <laughs> Radio uh, pop, jazz. Yeah, smooth jazz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so good. Hey, so you, you mentioned the reversalists uh, before, yep. Jason, and um, the, the the track "Broken Crown" uh, re released. We we planned this interview, I think, for a month ago, but it didn't happen at that time. So it's it's a little bit older now. But the track hits hard, and uh, yeah. I absolutely love it. And just just wondering, you mentioned before the possibility of um, releasing an EP under that moniker of the Reversalist, or anything, you know, it's anything yeah. To well, I've got so I released uh, released Broken Crown song, and then released another song about two weeks ago called The Anchor, and working on I've got a couple other songs in the in the works in the pipeline. It's a uh, it's a project that I'm you know, working on with a guy named Andrew Simmons, who plays keyboard with Death Therapy Live uh, sometimes cool. when we play festivals and things like that. But he's also a super talented music producer, mm -hmm. uh, good guitar player. So he, um, he's he been putting the guitars down on that. And awesome. um, got a couple different drummers that we're talking to about, uh, you know, sort of becoming maybe a, a fixture in the band. So that it, it's taken shape, but right now it's just sort of, you know, I'm just throwing some songs out there and see what people like. and sort of demos i guess but they're pretty high quality demos you know mm. so, can, so yeah can I, can I ask for um i'm a drummer myself uh, am i allowed to ask about name drops on 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 drummers uh, who are uh, lined up here or this? Yeah, i can't do i can't give out i can't give that out <laughs> okay. so we're hoping to make that an announcement that'll be sort of a surprise that comes maybe a little later so very cool very cool I'm putting my vote in for Abishai Collingsworth. I'll just leave it there. I won't say anything more. I'm just gonna say that. I'm just gonna just gonna drop that. Uh, he's um, great. He's one of my favorites ever. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, yeah, I like him as well actually. Ever since um, ever since the 
the overseer. <laughs> yep, for sure. Hey, so on your recent interview, Jason, with Evan Baker and Jesse Gentry on the American Arson podcast, you mentioned that you had taken a, was it five to six year break from music? Um, after leaving Becoming the Archetype where you didn't touch any instrument and even your wife thought you were done for good. So what actually happened there and, and what brought you back to music? Uh, I think a little bit more practicality than anything. Um, so I was teaching at the time and um, sort of was not feeling like that was working out the way I had hoped. And then I, um, there was a, a nonprofit ministry that was organized to help musicians, uh, touring musicians and stuff in the States. And they had invited me to come on board and help them develop some things and as a missionary kind of position. And uh, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, well, I'll try to teach part-time and then do this missionary thing part-time. And then I'd go full-time with the missionary thing. And when I did that, it became, uh, I'm not very good at trying to ask people to donate money. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm from the, I come from the musician side of things where I'm like, you know, I sell merchandise, I sell t-shirts, I uh, produce singles and people can Mm -hmm. pay for them. So it's hard. I, I'm, so then I thought to myself, well, maybe I could, uh, we could write a few songs. I haven't done that in a while. I'll write a few songs and see if I can tell people, Hey, if you donate $20, I'll send you these three songs. I didn't intend for it to become a band. Um, and that's partly why it was just, you know, going to be me and my bass guitar at the beginning, sort of pulled it out from under my bed and dusted it off and, um, and yeah, sort of developed into a thing. And I was like, this is kind of cool. It's kind of fun. And, um, didn't realize how much I missed, you know, writing and making music. Also, it was sort of the first time I had challenged myself to write my own music, um, Mm -hmm. without having, you know, becoming the archetype was a guitar based band. Had shredders and lead guitar players, and I didn't hardly write any of the you know, guitar riffs and stuff. It was almost always written by other people. So, uh, so yeah, that's sort of where I led into Death Therapy becoming a real thing. I, I had some demo stuff. I pitched it to the record Solid State Records, and they thought it was cool. And and yeah, so the rest is history. And and now Death Therapy's been around for uh, almost five years, I guess. Yeah, about five years as a band, which seems crazy. Wow, because uh, it's yeah. brand, brand new brand new to a lot of people you know mm-hmm. um so um you know if i if i can make it uh another five years that'll be about as you know another five years and like i said i've got a third record on sort of slated now with an ep in between and yeah i mean i did four records with becoming the archetype so <laughs> we'll see if i catch up to my record uh or, <laughs> you know the same amount of output we'll see yeah looking forward we'll to when it when it does happen yeah i'm excited about it I'm still working on the third record right now. I was in in Atlanta yesterday at the studio um, with Nate Washburn, who's a great producer and friend, and he's in the band called My Epic. Uh, yeah, you're familiar with uh, with We're him. Very familiar with them. Yeah. Love them. Yeah, his his work is very good. He uh, did, oh well, I guess you're for you guys. It is um, you might have even heard it already, but the new Everything in Slow Motion song just came out. Yeah, um, yeah. And, he, and he he produced that. Uh, yeah. record and he's super super good i really i'm a huge fan of those people so yeah yep. yeah anyway yeah so working with nate is super cool and, and uh, i'm excited about the third record it's going to be different but i think that's what people expect 
from me at this point. Hopefully they, <laughs> they know I'm not just going to, I'm not just going to spoon feed them another record that sounds exactly like the last one. So, well, Jason, I think if they haven't got the memo by now, they obviously haven't <laughs> yeah. been tracking with what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, so, uh, we actually opened up this interview. We, we asked people on a bunch of different Facebook websites that we're a part of, um, for some fan submitted questions yeah. that, that people might want to ask to you. So we've got a, we got a few here, um, from, from fans, from different, um, yeah, websites and also Christian metal Facebook and reformed mosh pit in the Facebook group. Um, but the, just the first one here is from, uh, Jeffrey Agaipiong from, I'm not yeah. sure if I'm saying his name right. Sorry if I got it wrong, Jeffrey from beyond the grave. He's just asking about what's your lyrical inspiration for a broken crown. Um, well, let me take a second and flip my brain into thinking about that song. Yeah. Um, I, I have, since I started becoming the archetype or not becoming the archetype death therapy, and this carries over into the reversal. It's a good bit. I have, I've been writing lyrics very much by what's called sort of stream of consciousness, mm-hmm. uh, process where I just sort of don't overthink it. And I just sort of, you know, vomit out onto the page whatever's in my brain and on my heart and um and that's definitely the case i especially feel like with the with the reversalist stuff i mean it's metalcore it's hardcore you gotta be you know you gotta be honest um Mm -hmm. and you know straightforward with the lyrics so broken crown was just a song that was about like i don't know just being frustrated with all the things that want to hold me back or discourage me whether it's other voices in my life or in my own head or um you know just spiritual elements things that i you know mm-hmm. am looking forward to seeing uh crushed by yes. by jesus uh eventually so yeah that's 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 largely i mean as a rule that's kind of what i mean with death therapy and the reversals they kind of it's kind of what I write about. So, uh, Jimmy Lamar Sorrells from the Christian Metal Facebook group asks, "When is a tour with 68 going to happen?" <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not going to happen because I don't think that Josh Scoggin, who knows that I exist, um, but also 68 is doing really, really well, um, and they seem to be focusing primarily on staying away from. I'm not accusing them of anything, but I think they're trying to stay away from the Christian scene, um, sort of for what for business purposes, probably almost certainly. So I, I feel like they tour as much as they can with you know um, people like Bring Me the Horizon, which I mean, who wouldn't who wouldn't take that? <laughs> the, the biggest tour you can get on, um, yes, uh, and groups like that. So yeah, they're, I don't think I don't think they're looking to take out uh, a little, um, but I get the I get the comparison. People say that because we're a two-piece. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, we've been playing as a three-piece now for about a year, maybe a little mm-hmm. more than a year uh, with the keyboard player. Um, I am I think I'm more inclined to say when is uh, when is the tour with American Arson going to happen? And yes. I hope, I, hope, I hope that really happens. Um, yeah. You know? So. That would be awesome. I wish I – I would tour. Listen, I would tour with anybody if we could come to Australia and New Zealand. So. Oh, uh, that would just, be, that would be just so, gotta find so that, good. Just got to find those bands. I recently worked on us. I think I don't, it's not a secret at this point. They've posted about it, um, but I don't. They haven't released the song. But I think it's in a week or so. It's coming up soon. I did a guest vocal for a Terra Maze song, 
which is an Australian-based band, correct? That yeah. is right. Sort of, yeah, progressive uh, metal band down there. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about it. So That's real cool. Hey, and Jason, have you ever, in all of your years of touring, ever come to, like, Australia, New Zealand, or even close, like, Indonesia or anything like, you know? Nope. No, no okay. We, uh, I have toured in, I've toured in Europe and mostly just Western Europe. Um, okay. The furthest east we've ever been in Europe, I guess, was like um, Slovakia, um, and then wow. we, we did a, <laughs> we did a tour. Yeah, we're not very far. And then we've toured in um, ETA toured in South Africa, which was wow, probably the most probably the most fun tour I've ever had. Just a short little you know one week kind of thing, but it was awesome. And then uh, yeah, no, I've never been. I've always wanted to come to Australia, New Zealand, um, you know, Asia. Just, mm-hmm. I think it would be a blast, and I'm hoping at some point to get to do that. So, yeah, you guys, you guys are doing your little little part to help tell people word of mouth and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a slow, it's a slow process, but uh, I will say, with uh, the last couple of releases, I've definitely noticed more more people listening uh, from those areas than than at any point before oh wow it's kind of cool when, when i say more i mean like you know i noticed there's four people listening oh, instead okay. of two. <laughs> so we doubled right pretty one was one was me That's twice as if we can keep doubling every release eventually we'll make it to enough to fill one concert <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes yeah you know what you gotta you know what you gotta do jason is just speak to dan gailey at uh, fit for a king and say next time you go to australia and yeah. New Zealand, let let me come let me come with you yeah, and that's you know I wish, man. I'm a good a good bit, and the thing about that is, see this is so this is a question you didn't ask, and I don't know if anybody else maybe did um, in their fan questions or whatever, but like, that's one of the hard things about death therapy is that we don't really fit with the bands that we're sort of close to, I guess. Um, so you know, I've sat at, I've sat at a table at a music festival with the, the guys from Pit for a King and talk to them about our struggles to find tours or to find bands to you know um you know do things with and and they'll they look at me and they're like yeah i mean there's really no bands that are doing the style now i i come from the old school where you didn't have to necessarily be the same style to go on tour but nowadays in 2020 and people you know if you see a bill come through it's usually four or five bands that kind of they fit with each other so we're kind of the we're kind of the like uh the lost sock of the metal world like we're just over here like so I, i'm hoping i'm hoping that we can get out with somebody like an american arson um because i feel like they're a little bit you know they're on face down records which is not necessarily a rock label or a punk rock label yeah um, it's more of like a hardcore label so they're kind of like they're a little maybe that maybe we can make make a pair of lost socks together and uh and jam yeah so. <laughs> And pardon the pun too, Toe Jam, if you're both the lost socks of, you know, your respective... Oh, stop. It's <laughs> awful. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a dad. i got to bring these jokes. I'm a te- you know, teacher. A good experienced teacher surely has to be armed with an arsenal of really bad jokes too. Really bad dad jokes, yeah.
Hey, we've got a, a bit more still with the fan submitted questions. Um, a cool. bit of a cool. bit of a deeper one. It's from Caleb Dykes from the Reformed Moshpit Facebook group. He he asks, how do you practically guard your heart from your passions becoming idols? Uh, and he says, I ask these because I know these are probably things Jason has dealt with. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it's one of those things where, like I said, you know, I sort of, um, I began my musical journey in a small pond. Um, you know, I wasn't, I was in a band that was seeking to put Christian themes to death metal music. So it's like death metal was already a very small pond and then Christian death metal was even smaller. And we toured primarily to churches and this was in the mid 2000s when at least you know, in the States there was sort of this resurgence of like Christian rock and metal. It was like yeah. a big deal and churches were having shows in their basements. And um, so there wasn't really, um, I didn't really ever have a whole lot of room to like, oh, we're, I'm going to become a rock star kind of thing. It was more like, it was more like, yeah, we're trying to share the gospel with people in dark places. And, um, and then when, uh, when I quit becoming the archetype, the reason some people may not know it was because we were going to have our first child. My wife and I were going to have our first child and it's just not, you know, wasn't a rock star, wasn't making much money, if any. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe it's a, it's a blessing. I sort of, you know, was able to keep my feet on the ground a little more. It feels like a curse sometimes as I watch other bands, you know, blow up, you know, mm. some of the bands, some of the bands that were from that same era. Um, I mean, almost all the bands from that same era, if you think about it, um, you know, if those bands are still around today, they're pretty huge. So like people will assume, people will assume that they're like, well, Jason, you know, he was in a band from that era that I really liked, you know, becoming archetype. And they're like, so the only difference between Jason and Jake Lures of August Burns Red is like, Jake is still active, but Jason and Jake are on like the same level. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> okay, first of all, August Burns Red has sold millions of records at this point, I believe. I think that's probably even verifiable. Like, yes. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they've sold over a million records um, collectively. Because the archetype's more like a, well, we maybe sold 100,000 total. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, and people are like, oh, well, Demon Hunter, you know, you know, you guys are very similar to like Brian <laughs> Clark, you know, and, and yeah, there's similarities, but like, you know, Brian is a legend and uh, Demon Hunter is like a, you know, humongous. So I guess what I'm saying is I always, you know, look back. I'm like, man, I wish my band would have blown up like that. You know, it could have become a full time job like some of these other people. But in, in some ways, in some ways, the Lord has shown me that it was a blessing that I never really had to struggle with the potential idolatry of, you know, being a rock star or the, you know, so. I'm super, super grateful for the people who really value the music that I do and, you know, occasionally throw around the term like you're a Christian metal legend, you know, and then they like, get all they get weird when I like just like respond to one of their Facebook posts and like, oh, my gosh, you responded to me. And I'm like, <laughs> because I'm just an awkward dad who lives in Georgia in a trailer house and like, you know, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not <laughs> You know, I'm not a legend or anything, you know, I don't have like a giant studio in my backyard, you know, where I make hit records all day long. Um, <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm just somebody who I just like doing what I can do. So, 
that's awesome. I guess, I guess I, that's not really a way of answering, like, how do you, how should someone else stay grounded? But in a sense, I guess what I'm saying is if your focus, if your focus is on this, uh, try to remember who said it, but there's a saying that says, um, hold on, I'm going to remember who said it. I think it's my, might've been Mike Rowe, but somebody who said, um, something like happiness is a terrible goal, but it's a terrific byproduct. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would say the same about musical success or any, you know, like, you know, being a rock star is a terrible goal. And if that's your goal, <laughs> then your heart is going to be thrown off. But if, if it's just a byproduct and your focus and your heart is on Christ, then you can be more grounded. So that's probably the short answer. Yeah. No, well answered and appreciate the, the, the insight there. I'm sure Caleb will appreciate that, that response. Yeah, so next one is from Ryan Damron from the Reform Wash Pit again, and he asks, what's your favorite picture book? Uh, favorite picture book? Uh, well, when when my both of my children were born, we bought them both the Jesus Storybook Bible. Uh, nice, classic. Great one. Pretty, yeah, pretty great. Um, and I don't just mean that because it's a Bible. Like, oh, Sunday School Answer. It's actually got really good illustration. Um Super, super cool uh, illustration, and I really like the content. Um, I'm trying to think if there's another picture book that would top that for me. Um, my kids have lots of them. There's one, actually, that my kids have right now that I haven't read yet. And, it's something else, and they're super excited to show Dad about the beard book. Um, so I'll have to get back <laughs> on that question and see. Because maybe the beard book is better than the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, contentious content here on the Eclectic Podcast. Oh, Watch out. We're taking that and we're throwing that one all across social media, Jason. <laughs> uh, it's good. I got a question from John Durkey. He's saying, uh, does Jason write everything with guitars or lyrics first? Uh, usually I write the music first. Um, so that usually means bass guitar for me. Um, mm -hmm. So... Um, for those who don't know, Death Therapy music does not, well, the, with the exception of the new EP that has guest guitar solos, there is no guitar on Death Therapy music. It's just distorted bass with effects. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I usually write the music first because lyrics, uh, sometimes I'll have lyrical ideas, but they don't necessarily have a home yet until I write the music. So I guess it's a little bit of both, but usually it's the music that comes first. And then I, I come up with, um, this is a little bit nerdy, but for anybody who wants to know, um, <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll write a song and then I'll sort of, I'll almost make up, make up nonsense words to the song, um, to get the feel I want for the song. And mm -hmm. then slowly, but surely those start to manifest themselves as like, okay, this is probably what the words need to be. Because, you know, at that, at once I have an idea of what the syllables are going to feel like and what the placement's going to feel like, there's, I mean, it limits the number of words uh, that are your choices there. So, mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Greg Dargay, or I think, I think that's how you say it, Dargay from the Reform Mosh Pit says, Would you rather have to fight one horse sized duck or 100 oh, well, duck sized yeah. horses? I've got I've gotten that question many a time. Uh, <laughs> I 
think I'm thinking it all depends on the weapon I have available. Um, <laughs> if it's a fist fight, if it's a fist fight, I'm going with the hundred duck sized horses because they'll be a little easier to kick away. <laughs> uh, okay, your weapon's uh, a samurai sword. If I've got something, if I've got something a little higher powered, it probably the duck sized horse or the horse sized duck. <laughs> I didn't botch that one too bad. Uh, that you got him. You got him. Yeah, because you know, in that case, it's just one thing you got to deal with. Um, but yeah, um, that's a that's a classic question. Yeah, bravo, yeah. bravo to whoever threw that one in there. I, well, Greg, I hope you're happy with that. I hope you're happy you got your stupid <laughs> question out yeah, there for Jason to answer. That's like it's like, do you like underwater basket weaving? It's like, oh come on. <laughs> Uh, yes. and we're going back a little bit here Jason but we just had uh, just just one question um, on be, becoming okay. the archetype material you know um, wondering what it was like to work with Devin Townsend on Dichotomy yeah. I mean that that album um, is often held as a, as a classic metal album and anybody who's in sort of you know metal adjacent or the metal scene or metal adjacent scenes would know of De Devin Townsend um being both a creative yeah. genius and can we say quite a, quite a weirdo too. <laughs> so yeah. we're just <laughs> wondering what it was like to, to work with him and, 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 and create, uh, create that album and anything that sort of sticks out or any stories. Yeah. That you no, I mean, it's awesome. It was awesome. It's definitely the, you know, like the best or the most, one of the most exciting recording experiences I've ever had. And I mean, I would re record with Devin again in a heartbeat if I ever had the chance but I don't think he does uh, producing other folks' bands really anymore. We sort of snuck in at a tiny little window where he was doing that. He was sort of out of the metal thing for a while. Um, and and actually, turns out, uh, as, as I understand some of the conversations we had together, not not me and him, but, but becoming the archetype in him, may have uh, led him to get back involved in metal, but with a positive spin on it. Mm -hmm. Because his experience prior... To dealing with a Christian metal band like us was that metal was 100% about evil and chaos and Devin's really into new new agey kind of energies and and he believes a lot of that kind of stuff so mm -hmm. um, you know I've heard I've heard in interviews from him that supposedly it it did play a role and I think that's cool because he obviously influenced us dramatically and um, if I can have a little bit of a part in getting because i love everything he's done if i can have a little tiny part in him you know picking up the the metal axe again <laughs> that's exciting um because uh, i've loved everything he's done but especially the last two or three records have just been so so cool and so unique to me uh, with the positive energy that they put off even though it's metal so mm -hmm. um but yeah, I mean, uh, working with Devin's great. He is uh, he is definitely as uh, strange as people think he is. Um, <laughs> but that's that's part of this genius. And I, Absolutely. you know, yeah. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, the next question, I think we'll sort of split it in two. I'll ask the first um, two questions of it, then Chris can ask the last one. But with so many years of experience in solid state um, records, recording and releasing music, and touring quite heavily since the early 2000s um 
we'd really like to hear your thoughts on on christian music and metalcore in general um yeah like what trends have you seen come and go uh well i mean there was definitely we talked about this a little bit earlier there was definitely a time when the church sort of subsidized at least in these states sort of subsidized the uh christian metal and indie rock world i would say that was from like 1997 to like 2012 or so um Mm. there was this sort of this wave of you know under norma jean demon Mm. hunter you know just that sort of solid years you know zeo the chariot uh you know you name it devil wears prada whomever and um it was sort of that the golden years i guess um, and that's, that's definitely not a thing anymore. Um, so I don't mean, I don't mean that the Salty records is not, I, I actually think they are kind of having a second, uh, renaissance right now with mm-hmm. Fifth for King and Silent Planet and Norma Jean returning Devil Wars Prada coming on board with the label and, uh, Demon Hunter still there. And, you know, I, I feel like they're having a, they're, they're killing it right now. Um, some new young bands, but what I mean is if death therapy wants to schedule a tour 10 years ago, I could just, you know, called up a list of folks that I know around the country, uh, who host Christian metal shows and away we go, you know, we had a show every night, <coughs> a couple hundred, a couple hundred people in the room, even if our band wasn't particularly popular, mm. but, uh, but nowadays it's the only places to play are pretty much general market clubs, which is fine. But then, you know, a lot of people just don't know who, uh, who a small band like Death Therapy is. So I guess what I'm saying is we have a lot of friends who are in Christian rock or Christian metal bands, and, and they're super, super awesome. Their bands are really, really talented, and it bums me out sometimes that they struggle to get uh, any attention whatsoever mm-hmm. um, versus, yeah. versus, uh, versus other bands. I won't name any names, but other bands that seem to have watered down their faith or their message pretty severely you know, significantly uh, to the point that, you know, people are always debating, is this band a Christian band? And and those conversations can be annoying, you know, on Facebook. Sometimes people will say, <laughs> is, you know, is this band a Christian band? And then other people will jump on and troll them and, you know, and or, you know, uh, and it's, but at the same time, it's, um, it's a lot harder to, uh, to make it if you're an openly Christian band, because there's kind of a stigma with it. You know, um, I'm not trying to throw stones at, at under oath because obviously they're the top of the game. But I mean, they waited until 2018 when they sort of came back for their comeback. They waited until 2018 to say, we don't believe this stuff anymore about Christianity. Whereas I would I would wager that in 2008, they also didn't really believe that stuff so much anymore. But in 2008, it was a popular thing and it was it was making them a lot of money mm. in 2018 and 2018 is actually more popular, even with a lot of Christians to sort of say, I don't, I don't want to be a Christian band anymore. We don't believe this stuff or we, we're, we've changed our views on X, Y, Z because that's, you know what I mean? Uh, so there's a lot of factors in there. It's um, I guess I would say it's changed a lot. You know, someone like, uh, I'm sort of in the middle. I'm in between generations. I did a cover mm-hmm. song with I did a cover song with the guys in the Blamed uh, earlier this year. Oh. Of, uh, 
of a Vengeance Rising song. It's you can mm-hmm. find it online if you go to the Blames website or I shared it on mine. But uh, I did a cover of a Vengeance Rising song. Well, you know, I'm not really from that generation. I was only like mm-hmm. five in 1988 when that Vengeance Rising song came out. Yeah. But I have a lot of friends who are from that generation who listened to Vengeance Rising and Tourniquet and, you know, yeah. um, Mortification, those bands. And then in my band, Becoming the Archetype was a part of like the Becoming the, the, the Demon Hunter and, the, uh, you know, the solid state thing, uh, Norma Jean and those kind of, that kind of era. But I'm not really from that era either because I feel like uh, a lot of those bands, have, the ones who are my age, like, well, you know, I've started over. I got a new band now. And then, so, and then all the new bands that are out there, like Earth Groans, who I'm friends with, and I'm, you know, these other bands, I'm like, I'm older than all of them. So, uh, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird time in the Christian rock or Christian metal thing. Uh, but if people don't know about some of the great bands that are out there, I mean, there's, there's just so, so, so many. I mean, I'm trying to, I'll try to name something that people probably get mad if I don't name their bands. Like, <laughs> you know, like we're really good friends with, Really good friends with Earth Groans, American Arson, uh, Relent. If you like new metal, like heavy new metal, yes. like POD type stuff, you need to listen to Relent. They're just so yeah. amazing. Yeah, um, I've heard those guys and pretty impressive, yeah. impressive production too, like a crisp, crisp recording. Yeah, they're super, super good. Um, 13 Minutes, um, GFM, Girlfriend Gets in some Myrrh. Um, who else am I thinking of? I mean, we, we just play, we play shows with these bands. Uh, they're so good. Did I, I think I may have mentioned the first band I said was the protest, but if I didn't, they, they bear double repeating. The protest is super, super good. I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a there's a whole heap of these bands. Um, but I, you know, I, sometimes we play festivals where it's every single one of those bands that I listed were on the same bill together. And, you know, 100 people will show up and it's kind of like, ah, you know, so it's uh, support. Support those bands is what I'm trying to say. If you're one yeah. of those people on Christian Metal International Facebook group or Reformed Christian Moshpit or whatever, Reformed Moshpit, and you actually care about supporting bands that truly want to share the gospel, I mean, if you don't, then that's, I mean, I don't care. I'm not mad at you. Some people just want to jam the music. But if you're if you're a person who wants to, who really does care about that, those are some bands to look into, support them, buy their stuff, you know. No, I appreciate that. And we're actually, Jason, you're, you're kind of tapping into something that both Joel and I are pretty uh pretty passionate about ourselves uh even the vision for the eclectic is to support um bands from a wide variety of genres um who are doing you know um who are doing the work of recording and touring and as you well know it's tough to make money and maybe even (laughs) tough to find encouragement so um we we know for you it's it's the voice of experience and you You've lived it here too. So when you're yeah. when you're encouraging people to support these these bands that are uh, smaller in the scene and who are bringing a gospel saturated you know uh, message to that it comes from a place of experience. So we yeah, we so. echo echo your sentiments, hundred percent. Yeah. Hey, just wondering, Jason, in terms of touring, you know, COVID covid restrictions right now is is everything off the table or is there tentative plans in the works there in the states or is it all just wait and see what happens uh the bands there are some bands that have got some stuff scheduled coming up um like the guys in relent that i mentioned earlier i think they're Mm -hmm. on a tour right now with seventh day slumber that primarily is like a church church tour because some churches are open 
okay. in some states. Yeah. Some states, some states, everything's still closed down, and some states there's churches that are trying to open, and the government is, um, you know, at going to court against. There's all sorts of weird stuff. So for the most <laughs> part, I think all the bands are sort of sitting back and waiting because the the concert venues are not open. Um, that's for sure. Um, some some of the bars get an exemption because they serve food, and so that's considered a uh, essential business or whatever. And so some bands play them, mm-hmm. but you know, the bands who tour a lot, they're not touring and the bigger bands, yeah. I think some of them are worried. They may not get to tour until sometime next summer. Um, mm. for death therapy, I'm just focusing more on just, you know, while we never have, we've never had a ton of touring opportunities anyway, other than what we can dig up for ourselves or maybe, um, get together with some friends over, uh, you know, between festivals. Yeah. So, uh, Maybe next summer we'll have a chance to get back out, but I, I doubt that this fall will really. I mean, here we are already. It's uh, basically September, and uh, if anyone in the world isn't aware yet, there's an election in two months. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know that things are going to chill out anytime soon. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So by the time <laughs> November rolls around and the election maybe simmers down, which I don't know if I got any predictions on it. On oh my gosh, I don't know if it, I don't know that things are gonna. I don't know that it, anybody can win that's gonna not cause some sort of chaos um, <laughs> in America. So it's probably best to just look to 2021 um, and see where we end up. Yeah, it's just a lot of uncertainty in the United States about that stuff. And so then I think when you add COVID into that pot. And then you say, well, when does metalcore get to go on tour again? People are like, yeah, that's, that's way at the bottom of the list, you know? So, uh, 98% of the population is going, what's metalcore? What, yeah, what's 90, yeah, yeah. Death therapy, what is that? You know, and then a what about Bob movie? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny because I'm in New Zealand at the moment and, and after COVID hit, everyone was asking for some sort of little handout for you know a bit of money and then the government was like yeah we'll throw 53 million here and 20 million here so maybe you could lobby the government to make metalcore great again and ask for a, a few million dollars <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know about that yeah so like the next question is something you touched on before about um my epic my epic because we saw on your facebook yep. that you've been recording some ideas down at glow in the dark studios and doing drums with nate washburn of my epic um and yeah, mm-hmm. like how important is it to you that you, who you choose to work with and when recording music and getting ideas down? Uh, I mean, it's important. It, there's, there's obviously, uh, you want to work with somebody that, that will capture what you're trying to do, but also can contribute, um, some ideas to the table, especially in a case like me where it's just one guy writing the ideas. So working with Nate's great. He has a lot of great ideas. Um, but also, you know, I, there's just a practicality level. You know, I've, the first death therapy record uh, was done with Matt McClellan at Glow in the Dark Studios. The second one was done with Matt uh, Goldman at Glow in the Dark Studios. And now now I'm working with Nate. So I'm kind of, I've run through all three of the major guys who, you know, work together at that studio in Atlanta. So, um, you know, driving to, uh, driving to California or flying to California for a, a producer's not really going to work for my stage of life right now, having two little kids at home and, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. Hey, but Nate's, got- Nate's great. And, and the studio's great. And, uh, it's going to turn out awesome. I'm, I'm excited. 
Yeah, it's been cool. I actually really love love seeing those little behind the scenes in the studio kind of kind of clips and and, and videos, yeah. and pictures. I love to see that process unfold and um, just yeah. hearing it come together. And yeah, it's really cool. So please keep continue doing that for. Uh, yeah, if people want yeah. to see that stuff, they can go on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. Or and we'll be sure to, um, when we have the show notes for the podcast, we'll be sure to put all your social media handles in there, Jason, so anybody who's listening yeah. here can, can tune in and find out where you're at. But we just got one last question for you, and it's, it's once COVID-19 is all done and dusted, who knows when, you're going to bring death therapy to Australia and New Zealand <laughs> for the Meta yeah, Cyberpunk well, Tour down under. Yeah, we kind, of, we kind of already covered that one. I feel like, but I obviously my answer is as soon as we can, We'll be there. I mean, so what three I bands? Would love Give to. us three bands. Who would be your Who be your wish list? Oh, to tour with there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I've mentioned them a couple of times. Let's Let's say we'll bring American Arson around with us. I think that would be right. a great one. Um, and I'll say Demon Hunter, and they'll say, "Well, that's a weird choice. Why didn't you pick like, you know, Nine Inch Nails or someone, you know, a lot bigger?" And I'll, the reason Demon Hunter is because I think that. Um, I think that our fans have a lot in common, and so that'd be a band that I would I would love to come over there and maybe maybe it'd be uh, us and American Arson opening up for Demon Hunter, and then one other band on that bill that's uh, you know fit for a king or somebody like that. So mm-hmm. or maybe becoming the archetype, and I'll just have to do double duty every night. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So um, yeah, cool. we appreciate you coming on the on the show today, Jason. Um, well, tonight yeah. for me. Actually, it's probably it's early morning <laughs> for me now. But um, and and your willingness yep. to come and talk about all things death therapy and become the archetype and everything in between. No doubt. Um, is yep. there any any? What's the best way in which people can check out your music? Um, website, Instagram. Instagram and Facebook are usually the best ways to go. Yep, we got that one. Awesome. Okay. Hey, Jason, just want to say thanks again. We know you're a busy man, you know, married, kids, sub-teacher, doing music. We really appreciate your time tonight and just want to say uh, all the very best in your musical adventures and we'll put all those links in the show notes for our listeners to check out and for anyone who's listening here today, we just want to say check out the uh, latest uh, Death Therapy EP, Dance Therapy Pre-Apocalyptic Cyberfunk for Late Stage Humanoids. And also check out those two reversal singles while you're at it and support good Christian metal.